Welcome to Change the Narrative. I'm your host, J.D. Fuller, an African-American, licensed psychotherapist, professor, diversity coach, consultant, and author. We talk about the isms. We talk about the phobias, anything that marginalizes and oppresses. Everything we are not and everything we are is because of fear. Through a mental health lens, we'll have difficult conversations with celebrity guests, political activists, and everyone in between. Our mind will tell us whatever we want to believe, but the truth lives in the body, and that's where change occurs. Are you ready to change the narrative? Anthony Eldon is self-described as a progressive Democrat, a history teacher, a change maker, a social media content creator, and a community builder. He has campaigned and is currently running his own social media channels and platforms. Tony has been able to develop social media community building skills such as copywriting, marketing, advertising, community engagement management, and much more. Tony is always teaching and helping us to learn. He is critical race theory. Welcome, Anthony Tony Eldon. Hi, Tony. Hello. (laughs) It's so nice to meet you. Likewise, likewise. You know, I was just telling my producer that I don't get excited about celebrities. I get excited about people like you. Well, thank you. Yeah, so I'm, I'm super excited that you were so easy to get on. Thank you so much for not making me chase you as long as I have to chase some people. Well, thank you. I, th- I thank you for the reminder. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, for sure. All right. Awesome. So the first thing I want to do is kind of go back and get some of your background because you're just so interesting to me. So where are you from? Originally? I'm, I'm a Southern boy. I'm a son of the South. I'm from Florida. OK, so that's where I'm from, Tampa Bay or, you know, recently Champa Bay. You may have seen <laughs> all of our championships coming down there, you know. That's right. That's so, right. And so how how has your upbringing informed who you are today? Well, you know, part of my life, actually, I spent in the Bahamas because that's where my family's from, the Bahamas. And then they immigrated to, you know, Florida. Okay. So I spent part of my elementary years there in the Bahamas where, you know, and because what I do is I teach history, mm-hmm. you know, but I teach history the way I like to teach history. So all the history you learn in the Bahamas is primarily black history. Well, there's a lot of British history. Don't get me wrong. OK. But as far as the Bahamian history goes, you learn about black people because that's what the Bahamas is. OK. And then I, I, I come here, you know, and I, and I live here. I go to middle school here in the U.S. And I'm like. That don't sound like, you know, the good <laughs> stuff. Like, where's the good stuff at? And then I'm like, where's all the black teachers? There's like no black teachers. Wow. Because um, in the Bahamas, every single teacher is black, you know? Wow. <laughs> so, you know, there, there was just a couple of things that kind of like pushed me to become a teacher myself, as well as to teach history, and then to do it online. Okay, so I have to back up now, because if I had known you were a son of immigrants, that would have changed everything, because that, that makes so much more sense to me now. So what was it like? What were the messages from immigration? My father is from the Bahamas. For a large part of my life, I didn't even know that my father was like undocumented. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was for a large part. Like, I mean, like high school is when I found out. Wow. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, he, he worked hard and he, he, it wasn't something that he let, you know, stop his taking care of us to the point where, like I said, I didn't even know. So how did you how did you find out? How, how did the secret get out? Uh, he got his residency card. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's how you found out? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, because he was so proud of it. He was like, look, son, look. And I was like, wait, were you not a resident? before? 
That is hysterical. <laughs> yeah. Funnily so, enough, right? Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's absolutely wild. So, so how many kids are in your family? Um, so my parents currently are divorced. So I have my bio dad, stepmom, um, bio mom, and uh, new stepdad. The total, the totality mm-hmm. um, from both bio parents is seven. From bio parents and step brothers slash sisters that that are now in the family, I think it's like nine. Okay. All Me right. being the oldest of, of all. What? Yeah, and no, Christmas oldest? sucks. <laughs> and the oldest. Wow. So what kind of lessons did you try to, you know, hand down having been the first in line? You know, it's so funny. The the youngest, the the the, the baby of the group is seven now. She was born when I was 18. Okay. So, you know, and, and at that time I'm also a very conscious adult, you know, I'm conscious of uh kind of what I would like if I ever had a kid, you know, how to raise them and whatnot. So my baby sister, Kalina, I kind of treated her like I would treat as if I had my own child. I wanted her to be proud of where she came from and proud of her skin and everything. So her entire life, I have only ever bought her black dolls. Mm-hmm. Only ever. And I remember once my dad bought her a non-black doll and I was like, dad, take it away. Like re- <laughs> return it. And, and nothing against non-black dolls, you yeah, know, <laughs> but I wanted her to, to play with and see herself and, and what she had, you know, and I remember this so clearly because it was like, like everything came full circle for me. It was two years ago. It's Christmas, you know, Barbara's back in town. I pick baby girl up and I'm like, all right, we're going to go to Walmart. We're going to get you a Christmas gift because I'm a bit like <laughs> I haven't shopped yet. And she's like, all right, let's go, Barbara. So we're in the car, we get to Walmart and we're in the doll section. And I'm like, Kalina, pick any doll you want. I'm going to buy it. I don't care which, just pick anyone. Mm -hmm. And she points at the biggest set of dolls. And she's like, can I have one of those? And I was like, yeah, you can have one of those. The biggest set, there's like, these are like life-size dolls. Okay. Like they're standing up and they're her height. (laughs) And she points at the specific one she wants. And it's a beautiful dark skin doll. And I said, Kalina, why'd you pick that doll? And she said, Barbara, it's the prettiest one. I said, oh my gosh. (laughs) Your work is done here. (laughs) Exactly. I was like, this is what I wanted. That Um, is amazing. And then $95 later, she got her doll. (laughs) (laughs) That is a great story. That's a great story. Thank you for that. So what kind of student were you? Actually, believe it or not, I'm a class clown. Even what? as a teacher. Yeah, even as a teacher, I'm a class clown. So talk about that class clownishness. What was what did it look like in for your teachers? Yeah, so in the Bahamas, it was a bit more uh controlled because I'm also incredibly intelligent, you know. And I, I, I and I let I'll let the, the, the accolades talk. I, I won't, you know, but I'm also incredibly intelligent. And when I was in Bahamas, it's harder to be a class clown. Because if you ever take it too far, the teachers can beat you. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah, I know. So I remember once, <laughs> once, I can't remember what I did. I think I just like played a prank or something or whatever. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I just like, they're like, oh yeah, I go to the principal's office, go to the principal's office. And the principal loved me, adored me. I'm mm-hmm. like the number three student in the school. So she, she absolutely loved me. She was like, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. This one was just a bit too far. And I was like, that's fair. And the way it worked is, you know, they had like these rulers and the ends of the rulers are like covered in duct tape. Yeah. 
don't get me wrong. Like I, I, I love my education in the Bahamas. I don't mind. Help me be a better me, I guess. Yeah, um, I get it. I get and that. And then I just smack, slap on the hand. I'm like, whoa, that hurt. But when I got to the U.S., right, and I'm like, oh, they don't beat kids here. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I can do what I want to do. <laughs> so I remember it was the third day of middle school, eighth grade. And there's this kid who, I can't remember what he was doing, but he was being annoying. And I was like, and then I started making fun of him, you know, I'm class clown. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, man, calm down. You're so annoying. Oh. And then uh, the kid gets up. And so I get up. And I'm like, oh, teachers can't beat people here. You know, it's whatever. Yeah. So I get up. And then the kid, and they were like, we, we don't start, we don't really fight, but there's a push. And now we have to go to the principal's office, right? And this is a word of advice to anyone who was in this situation. Make sure that your uncle is not the principal. <laughs> because you will still get beat in school. It's crazy. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm in the principal's office. He's like, oh, good word. Because I'm going to call you dead. We both going to take care of you. And I'm like, okay, Uncle Man. I'm sorry, Uncle. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you learn your lesson? I, I did learn my lesson. Actually, I don't know what it was about that situation. But uh, I, I never, for the rest of my high school career, even thought about fighting anyone. I was no longer a hothead. I was still a class clown, but I, I found my barriers, and my, my boundaries, and I stuck to them. Yeah. And, you know, I was also, again, incredibly academic. I was was pretty high up in the school rankings at every school. So they never really, you know, I, I yeah. never really got in too much trouble. Well, look, getting beat down in the uh, principal's office will definitely do. That <laughs> <laughs> definitely such a straight, huh? <laughs> That'll change your ways. You know, I don't judge what other countries do. I, you know, the fact that you're telling me you got beat like that in Bahamas. Look, it's not my experience. I don't know. So I, I respect that the culture is the culture. That, yeah. that would freak me out, but <laughs> because I wasn't raised that way, clearly. Yeah. Right? So wait, I'm going to shift gears a little bit to your career. So you taught in middle school in Florida. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yes. yes. You did that for a couple of years and then you started teaching in DC. Talk about that transition and what that was like for you. Yeah. So I'm married, high school sweetheart. Oh, yeah. Believe it or not, since the 11th grade, Oh, that's amazing. Um, yeah, we both graduated high school together and college together. And then she got a master's while I went into uh, working right away. But so she actually is the reason we even moved down here. She was like, hey, I really want to explore before we settle down and buy houses and whatnot in one area. Notice yeah. the, the S at the end of houses. Yeah. But uh, so, you know, cool. All right. I'm cool with that, love. Where are we going to go? Well, I actually want to work for the State Department, so we're going to go to D.C. What a change. Okay. Wow. All right. A couple thousand miles away. Sure. I thought you meant like Miami, you know? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So now we're in D.C., and she she already had her job lined up. She's awesome like that. Me, I'm here, and I'm like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. And so I needed to find something, and I found uh, this school. Uh, believe it or not, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the school's name, so yeah. I won't. But okay. I'll talk about the school. And it's a wonderful school. It's an adult education center okay. for students that did not pass high school the first time. Okay. And being that D.C. is a uh, heavily Black uh, populated city, I kid you not, like 99.9% of the school body is is, is Black. 
Um, and even, even that's also reflected in the faculty. The vast majority of the faculty is also black, which I think was not by design, but is beneficial because the students can like, uh, they, they have examples, mm, right? you know? And, and, and when I say like adult center, please understand, I don't mean like, you know, 17, 18. We do have 17 year olds, 18 year olds. I think our youngest is 16. But uh, the oldest to date was, was, was 77 years old. What? Yes. And the reason wow. she, because we, because we asked, so, you know, you're 77. Why, why come back to high school? Because mm-hmm. it is essentially a high school. And they get their high school diploma, not a GED, their high school diploma. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so why are you coming back to high school? You're 77. You, you've already completed the game. You know what I mean? Right. And and she said, well, my mom always wanted me to get a high school diploma, but my parents were akin to sharecroppers. Wow. So we couldn't. I had to, you know, be at home and work with the family. But now that I'm retired and, and all this, that I'm going to get my degree. I am my diploma. And I'm like, you know what? You get that diploma. Like, yeah, you, you do that. That is powerful. How did the other students respond to her? How did they respond to her? I have no clue. Okay. That, uh, that was more of a, well, actually, that's what it was told to me. Okay. That's um, a good story. Yeah. And th- I mean, there are tons of other students that have like crazy, like, wow, stories. Yeah. There's this one woman who is from Sierra Leone. Mm-hmm. And um, coming here from Sierra Leone, None of her high school credits, I think, transferred or anything. Oh, that's crazy. Exactly. So she, she, and she's 20 years old, so she's still pretty young. So she came back, and, and now she's, you know, doing the thing again. And I'm like, that's, that's power to you. Yeah, for um, sure. And then we have another woman, 50-something, I can't remember exact, her exact age, who she comes from Montgomery County, or, I'm sorry, no, PG County, which is a county next to D.C. in Maryland. Mm-hmm. And PG County actually lost her her credits and her and her um, transcript so because she doesn't have any documentation that she went to high school and and, and graduated with her diploma she's doing it all over again but you know what is insane about that though that's insane about that (laughs) yeah that's insane about that but she actually like is really living it up wow she's like she's so happy to be back she's like you know what i know i did this already but I feel like so much has changed from when I was in school 30 plus years ago to now that I still feel like I'm learning so much. More and I'm like, I honestly would be incensed. Like I would I, be. I quit all over again. Exactly. <laughs> but she is like, heck yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gung ho about it. I, I'm excited. That's amazing. So obviously there is a chronological difference in what you've taught the age you've talked before. Yeah. What would you say that you've learned between the two experiences now? Middle school and adults? Mm-hmm. Oh, there's not much of a difference. <laughs> adults are great. And with adults, you don't have to sugarcoat anything. That's true. But I've noticed that, and, and I'm, I'm at fault of this too. Mm-hmm. Adults can be pretty childish. And because you are also an adult, you you know, it also kind of like, Makes you look back at some of your own tendencies. Like, wait, do I do that? <laughs> I'm like, sure enough, I do do that. <laughs> so, so I would say they've also kind of um, humbled me or, or, or helped me do some own of some of my own self reflection, and also, you know, 
help me not judge people mm. because you really don't know what people go through. You right. know what I mean? And right. there are people that are going through some tough stuff that are, you know, trying to better themselves. And mm. I, I can't fault them. You know, and, and the heartbreak about DC, Chocolate City, I love DC, uh, you know, but there's not a lot of opportunities for people to come up. You know, it's super expensive. The system doesn't work, you know, as much as it doesn't everywhere else. But in the capital, you would hope it would be a little bit different. And it's exactly. not. So it's so heartbreaking, you know. So I, I respect anybody who's trying to find a come up there that's that's trying to better their own lives. I mean, that's pretty incredible. And that's awesome. They have you as a role model and a, and a peer. I'm sure you've taught your colleagues a lot as well. Oh, yes. I am a baby at the school. I'm the baby on staff, the youngest. Okay. Even these students are like, Mr. E, I got... Children older than you, Mister. <laughs> and I'm That's like, funny. well, you know, <laughs> I guess. Cool. <laughs> okay, so I heard that you ran for office, or you have what's what's the story with that? Because yeah. I could definitely, I could definitely see you in a political position. I definitely see that. Yeah, tell, tell I. Us um, about that. So I ran for office in Florida during the 2020 election. I was running for state senate, and the reason, because I, I originally wasn't even in the race. Uh, but the the person on my side of the ticket had to abdicate the race due to, you know, COVID, you know, getting to their family and, and all kinds of stuff, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and she was she was an amazing candidate. I, I you know really respect her um, and the courage she had to leave the race, because that is uh, not an easy thing to do. Right. But she left in August of 2020. So, you know, no, you know, at this point, there is about two and a half months to election day. Mm-hmm. And my side of the ticket is like, we need someone to fill the seat more so than we need a, a candidate. We don't even care if the candidate can win. We just cannot have an empty ballot. Okay. And I, I do have political aspirations. So, and, and, and then my side of the ticket, they knew that. So actually they contacted me directly and was like, we want you to do this. And we like, we don't care if you win. But you need the experience because you're going to come back and you're going to do this later and you got to know what it's like. So this is experience for you. And I was like, you know what? You're right. I'm going to do it, but I'm also going to shoot to win. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, like, it's cool. Um, but there's two months left. And you, I, I don't care who you are. It, you cannot run a campaign in two months. Ah, um, sounds impossible. It, it, it is. <laughs> but I did my best. And I, and, I, and I like to think that I made the impossible possible. I raised $25,000. My opponent had like four hundred, almost $500,000. So, you know, it's what it is. But he's been running for two years at this point. I knocked doors, gave out pamphlets, all, all kinds of things. I did my best. Mind you, I had a full-time job at the time because I was teaching. Um, and it was an insane and like stressful and fast-paced two months. Luckily, though, I'm good at digital things. Mm-hmm. And since politics is moving or is moving more digital as a whole, I had a leg up. Okay. I ran ads. I did all kinds of things. I, I did my best to kind of, you know, put myself in the forefront. And I, and I succeeded for the most part. In fact, I got 40% of the vote when I was originally broadcast or forecasted to get only 22%. That's incredible. Exactly. And even after that, I, I got the 11th highest vote type total of all the people across the state running in my specific seat as, as a, a state senator. 
Uh, mind you, I'm beating people that were running for more than a year and had much more money than me. So I, I like to think that I did dang good, or at least the, the best I could do. Yeah. But you know, you know, I, I did not win, sadly, but you know, I did my best. I, I left everything out there. And I got, I remember the number because it was just insane to me. It was a 122,042 votes. Wow. Yes. My mom and my wife were there. I was like crying. I was like, y'all, I don't even know that many people. Like, this is, <laughs> <laughs> like, this is insane. <laughs> that <laughs> mind is you, so great. Mind you, I am a black man who was running in like Florida, but not like Florida, but like Southern Florida. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yes. I'm out in, I don't know if anyone knows these areas, but uh, Bradenton and Sarasota uh, and uh, Lower Hillsboro, which is like more like a Ruskin and a Gibson 10, you okay. know, out, out in, in, in just more Southern and, and heavily conservative areas. Wow. I cool. mean, heavily conservative. That's unbelievable. Yeah. So... How are you going to keep this going? I mean, what's what are the next steps? Because you can't let the fire go out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I actually, you know, for a while I was like, I'm going to do something more. But then I, I got so caught up in doing something more. I was forgetting to live, mm. you know, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to slow down. OK, I have the rest of my life. There's no need for me to rush into it. I'm going to go to D.C. with my wife. I'm going to, to use that time in D.C. To, to calm myself, to live my life, to build out my social media presence, which I've done. You know, I, well, I'm done and doing. Mm-hmm. And when I get back to Florida, I'm going to go to law school. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back in the game and I'm going to win. That's awesome. Really? Yeah. That, that's incredible. I can see it. I, I really see it happening. That's such a great plan. You're young, you have time, you're in the right place to network and to figure out how to do it. That's, that's amazing. I love yeah. that. Okay. So let's talk about the book. You are the author of 50 inspiring black stories. Please talk yeah. about that. Yeah, I did write that book. <laughs> it's crazy. I wrote that book a while ago, actually. And when I first wrote it, I remember, cause I was just so proud of this. I only published it on Amazon. I should have published it more places, but I only published it on Amazon. And when I published it, I actually was the number one new release three months there. And I was like, yo, this is insane. (laughs) Really? So I was, I was, I was very happy about that. And I, you know, yeah, it was, it was, I had a good time writing. I actually, my, my favorite part of the book was working with the illustrator to, to draw out the people that the book talks about. That was really fun. Cause I've never, I mean, I've written about, written about history plenty of times, but I've never gotten to like draw what I envision history to look like Mm. as well as, you know, what those people look like. I hope that me and the illustrator did those people justice, those icons justice, but that was probably the most fun thing. And I'm actually working on another project now, believe it or not. I, I believe it. (laughs) <laughs> I, I absolutely believe it that's great so so were these 50 characters or stories of people that you admired how, how did you pick the the stories they were just people that blew my mind okay fair yeah people that just blew my mind for example there's a i need to remember i think her name is Wangari matai 
I think that's how you say her name. She planted 51 million trees. She has over 16 doctorates. What? Yes. Yes. You got to get this book. I was so happy to see that you had a book. I was like, oh, I definitely have to get this. I'm already fascinated by you. So this is just going to take me deeper into exploration of how your mind works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I, and that's just, and you know, it's funny because to my sisters and other family members, they're like, you know, that's, that's cool, but you know, it's not like shocking. But to me, I'm, I read that when I first found out, I was like, how, like, how did you do this? And, and mind you, not only does she plant 51 million trees, that's an M million. She has 16 doctorates. I mean, but for, a, 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 I can't remember how long, but she was also one of the prime environmentalists that were advisors to the UN. So she was internationally recognized. Even, even, and I'm not making this up, even the Girl Scouts recognized her and, and gave her an award. I just, I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated because there's so much we don't know. And whenever I look on your platform, there's always one out of five things I didn't know that I'm so grateful for. And we're going to get to that, but I want to take a step back for a minute because you seem to have such a clear vision for your life. It seems like thus far, the vision's been so clear. And I'm fascinated by that because at your age and younger, I was still trying to figure out what path I was going to take. What do you attribute that to? Believe it or not, and you're going to say you believe it, but when I was... (laughs) When I was young, when I was like, ever since I could talk, I don't know what it was that made me want this. But ever since I could talk, I was like, mom and dad, I am going to be the first black president. That's what I told my parents. And then and they they were like, yeah, sure. <laughs> but, you know, over time, like in elementary school, I really believed it myself. And I really like pushed for it. And, and like, I'm coming home and I'm telling my parents, did you guys know about the 14th Amendment? <laughs> did you guys know that election day is on Tuesdays? You know, and I'm like, they're like, yeah, Tony, you know, you know. But then 2008 came around. Mind you, I'm still telling my parents, I'm going to be the first black president. 2008 comes around. And Obama crashes and burns my dreams. <laughs> Everyone's like, Obama! And I'm like... I don't like him. <laughs> I don't like that guy. <laughs> that is great. You have such great stories. You're a good storyteller, Tony. Thank you. Thank you. That's you have great. to be for it to be a history teacher. And this is true. <laughs> this is true. And, uh, and so, so you were into history from as far back as you can remember. That's just been your thing. Yes. I, I have a lot of respect. Back. I have a lot of respect. My brother was a history teacher and he always was so filled with knowledge. So I have a lot of respect for the field. I definitely do. Yes. And, and that's also part of the thing is like, you know, I still want to be the first black president. You know, yeah, I, that I dream has never died just because it can no longer, it can literally no longer happen. <laughs> Doesn't mean that I have forg- or forgotten or, or given yeah, up. Yeah, for sure. Every time I, I kind of saw something that I just wanted to pursue, I pursued it. And that has led me to do a lot of different things, but it has also led me, and this is something that a lot of people don't see. It's also led me to kind of forget about things that I have, you know, set out I want said I wanted to do. So, for example, I wanted to write my first book, but around that same time, I wanted to make a YouTube channel okay. to talk about Black history. But I was like, you know what? Let's start with the book, and then I forgot about the YouTube channel. 
now as time progressed, I, I do eventually come back to everything I say I said I wanted to do. And I and the project I'm working on right now is actually a comic book because I said I wanted to make a comic book, a black history comic book. I also, like I said, wanted to start my own YouTube channel. So I I actually have my own YouTube channel now, and I'm happy to report that I don't know what happened. I just kind of like skyrocketed, but I have like almost 15,000 subscribers now. I'm just so like thankful and happy about that. I have, yeah. uh, I think, two videos that have gotten over a million views, and I'm like, that's insane. <laughs> no, it's not. You're you're underestimating who you are. I'm telling you, your draw is so powerful. You're interesting. You also have a strong personality. You know, people don't know these things. I mean, they're not they're not learning it in school. And right, you, right. It, it's heartbreaking. So, you know, there's a thirst for education. And so the fact that you bring it, you know, in the way the way in which you do, I think it's just inviting. So I'm not surprised. That's amazing, though. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm very happy about it. I am, I, I'm still floored. And like mm-hmm. I said, I, I try to be a very humble person. And I like to think that I am. And I normally I promise you, I normally never talk about my accomplishments unless it's like an interview where I'm you know, supposed to. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm just incredibly thankful about all of it. You know, like I, you know, growing up, I always thought I'd be not necessarily like a celebrity or a famous person, but I always believed that I would make a mark and everything I've done is to make a mark and to help people. Um, so I, I've just been really thankful to be able to pursue that in the way that I have. You have a voice that needs to be heard. You have something to say. And again, you know, this is representative of it. So congratulations again. I'm super, super happy for you. Thank you. Thank but you. Let's talk about your platforms a little bit. So February 2020, you started Black Thought. Yes. And, right. And your, your platforms are so important. And so that's one of the reasons I'm so eager to have you on the show. You seem to cover mostly uh, socio-political issues, history, social justice, and current events, but you do it all through a cultural lens. Was that your, what was your process in doing that first? Ah, so believe it or not, and it's funny because my platform is named Black Thought. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I kid you not, I did not know about the rapper Black Thought before, you know, the platform. Okay. So when I found out about him, I was like, oh, man, he took my name. <laughs> but my I only bring that up to say that I have always, always thought as a black man, I wanted my perspective as well as, you know, I, I won't say all of my people's perspective because I, I don't believe that I'm indicative of all black people. But I've wanted to provide my perspective. And for those that are in my community that think like me their perspective on things and, and and from a historical standpoint and from a standpoint, because there are a lot of things, I mean, there are a lot of things going on politically nowadays that are just absolutely horrendous and mind blowing, mind boggling. And, you know, and you don't see that in, in news. You know what I mean? The closest you get to news covered from a black perspective is like Don Lemon. And don't get me wrong. Don's cool. Yeah, you know, I no 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 shade, but uh, I wanted to provide my own and and my I guess my section of the black communities unfiltered. Yeah, that's it. Unmonitored. That's um, it. Perspective to news. That's that's the thing, right? Because as soon as you become a part of this corporate machine, 
you don't have that, un- that unfiltered perspective. So that's what's so amazing about growing your platform the way that you do is that people really get to hear something that is just clear and, you know, sort of visceral. I mean, the way that you, you offer it. So that's the amazing part. I love that. And so, so the choosing your topics, how do you choose what topics you're going to present? Cause that's another part of your process. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, believe it or not, that is, um, so on the history front, that is incredibly hard to do. Mm. Incredibly hard. There is, for every single post, there's at least two to three hours of research. Oh, I'm sure. And it is, especially when you have a full-time job and you're doing other projects and whatnot, it is incredibly tough. But I look for things that are uplifting. I look for things that are sadly the ugly truth. Mm. I look for things that are shocking and just and shocking in a good way, like just surprising, like, oh, that's a fun fact. I didn't know that. Right. I look for things that are incredibly sad. I look for things that are almost too coincidental. Okay. I love that. Um, and I look for things that are honestly sometimes really subtle and and believe it or not, I don't expect to do good, but I still feel like it's important enough for me to share. Okay. Um, and then sometimes those things do do good, right? Even though they are incredibly subtle, and and I, you know, is what it is. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes, and then on the news front, it is what issues affect us, and how do they affect us? Is that worth covering? And the news is easier to uh, do research on because you know it's it's uh it's, it's here it's now mm-hmm. versus you know looking up documents from. 2000 years ago, right. what happened on in Egypt or what anthropological uh, thing went down in uh, off the coast of Bimini in Bahamas or you know right. what I mean? Yeah, sure. So, so it can get a little, it's easier to do the news, mm-hmm. harder to do the history, but I think the history is just as important as the news. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I think covering them both helps me maintain a good schedule without drowning in, in, uh, in work. Oh, that sounds like a nice balance. That That's really well thought out. And, yes. you know, the history that you do bring to your platforms, again, I mean, I'd swear like one, two out of five, I didn't know. And I'm super excited to see. So your instincts are great. I mean, that's really, you know, incredible. It's, it's your natural at it for sure. So in that vein, what is the most pressing issue on your mind today and why? The most pressing issue on my, on my mind, that is a tough one. How many? There's a lot. I'll talk about this from different standpoints. So on an economical standpoint, one of the things that are like really important to me that I think are kind of underrated, but are something we should focus more on is uh, black home ownership. You know, I'm all for black business, you know, go get your LLC, you know, do your thing, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But uh, home ownership has been by and large the primary mode of wealth building and generational wealth. And I, and like I said earlier, you know, I want to buy houses. Right. Uh, I, I have my own business. I, I do things through my, my platforms to make money, but I want to buy my own houses because those are, you know, generational wealth, essentially, okay. um, especially if you keep them. I was watching something the other day about a man who lives in the Bronx who bought his house in, I can't remember what year, but for uh, $24,000, I believe. Or twenty-seven thousand dollars, and right now his home is worth two million dollars. 
That's well. That is well. Passing that down, you are setting your family up to, to, to have better circumstances. So hard to do these days with. It is. Regionally. Yes. That's the catch-22. Mm. That is the catch-22. We need to go back and buy up the South. I agree. I agree. One day, I want my 40 acres. That's all I'm saying. I'm telling, so, you. I'm telling you. That's the way to do it. Yeah. I would not mind in my older years. I would not mind having just a big old ranch, mm-hmm. you know, getting out of the city life. Yeah. Riding four wheelers on my own property. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After you run for office. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I definitely, uh, as far as wealth goes, I think that's my biggest concern. Okay. As far as politics goes, I would love to see some of the systemic issues just be dismantled. You know, I'd love to see us get our own bill, which we did get the, the anti-lynching bill. How many years later? It's exactly 200 plus years in the, in, in the way. I, I can't the- even, I can't even honor it. I mean, I'm happy exactly. for Emma Till's family, but it's disgusting as far as I'm concerned. Exactly. It took way too long, way too long, yeah. uh, crazily too long. But, you know, as far as other things, like I want, there to be a hate crime bill uh, or hate crime reform. I want there to be police reform, which is another systemic thing. Gun reform, yes, you know, and and that also goes to the safety of Black people. I I think for the safety of Black people, we need things like gun reform and police reform, but I also think that we need uh, things like poverty reform. Yeah, right. Yeah, we had a war against poverty, and I don't know if you know, but uh, our track record is like zero and one. You know, poverty is kicking our butt at every exactly every stage. Look, it's the problem is that poverty makes rich people money. Yeah. And, you know, how do you convince people to change something that actually improves their their financial status? That's that's a tough one. And it sucks because it is expensive to be poor. Expensive to be poor. It is crazy. And I think, you know, a lot of the issues in the black community stemmed from poverty. And don't get me wrong, we systemically were put into poverty uh, through through the after effects of slavery, through Jim Crow, through the war on drugs. I mean, I don't disregard the system's part in that, but I, I want us to kind of, you know, get back on our feet almost, or actually not even get back on our feet, get on our feet right. as a community. And and I think, believe it or not, I and I and I'm so thankful for this generation my generation, because I feel like we are really not, I I don't want to say starting, Mm -hmm. but really pushing for it. You know, look, people my age need it. We're tired. You know, when I, when I see you young people on the platforms doing what you're doing, I get so excited. I don't even have a reason to say anything. I just like to repost and bring you on because to me, it's like, you're the only hope I have. You know, I mean, I also teach professionals and those two fronts are really important. Like one of the things our community has to do is we have to find ways to define racial trauma. We have to defy racial trauma. And so when you say get on our feet, part of that is trying to figure out how to stay healthy emotionally and physically, you know, amidst the the genocide, the literal genocide that's occurring. So it is no fault of our own. I don't care what anybody says. It's no fault of our own. And we have to find a way to get these supports to the community in order to strengthen that base because I you agree. all have to take it on. And I don't want to see you burn out. 
And that's 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 part of it too. The burnout, you know. I think there's like generational burnout right now. You're right. You know, because like for me, it's not a 25 year fight. Right. You know, this is a 200 plus year fight. Exactly. Exactly. So, but you also also carry it. You know. Yeah. Don't fool yourself. Even though you haven't been at it, it you still that 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 intergenerational burden is felt on the shoulders. Yeah, for sure. And, and and I think it's amazing nowadays how, you know, my generation, because I, I and when I say my generation, I will specify I am the first year of Gen Z, 1997. Okay. But Gen Z is really, in my mind, you know, they're really cringy. They do a lot of weird things. <laughs> the humor is different because even though I'm, I'm not the first year of it, so I'm a bit dissociated from the humor. <laughs> but nonetheless, like Gen Z is really like, activism base like that is gen z's thing we're like oh yeah this sucks and we want this to change like yesterday i'm not it's insane to me and i'm so here for because you know for so long it seemed like younger people just weren't they weren't getting the impact of what's happening until it was right in their face in social media so yeah my parents don't even vote i i'm the first when i ran that was the first time my parents voted wow okay you know yeah so that in and of itself just kind of showed me that, you know, not that this has been something that we've, you know, not cared about during their generation or generations before, but mm-hmm. it shows me that now we really care, you know, because every person I know that is Gen Z votes. And I don't just mean votes. I mean, like, they're like, did you see the Jan 6 committee yesterday, dude? Like, like politics is our new football. Yeah. <laughs> You know what That's, I mean? great. <laughs> That's great. I can appreciate that. That's awesome. So, Tony, look, clearly I could talk to you for hours. You have to promise to come back now that you know, you know, I'm not as scary as stalker as I seem. <laughs> Hopefully you'll come back in the fall and tell us what you're up to. For um, sure. But for now, tell everybody where they can find you. What are your platform handles and what yes. services you provide? Run it all down. So I am on Instagram, TikTok and YouTube. Everyone of those places, if you just put in blk.thought, dot as in period, blk.thought, you will find me. We're growing on each and every platform. I think we're, actually, I think we're across all three platforms. I think we're closing in on 200,000, which is insane. That's awesome. Yeah. We do do actually different services, uh, marketing and promotional services and partnerships, but I'm actually working on, like I said, a few projects. I actually have a activate your rights class that I'm building out online class which I've noticed, you know, I, I noticed there's like a spot for that. And there are people who are currently doing it and, and no shade to them, do your thing. But they have like their classes at like $40, $60. And I, I want mine to be like somewhere between five and 10. That's um, dope. That is so dope that you're, you're trying to make it economically affordable. That's, that's dope. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's needed. It's needed. Right. And like I said, I'm working on a comic. Well, yeah, I'll actually do like a different, a series of comics of black historical icons just kind of telling their story yeah. through through comics because i mean they're they don't have movies yeah and, and you know what you are a great storyteller it's clear so to put it in that that you know sort of format that would be so cool and make it accessible to younger kids i love that yeah. so you're also you also provide a service so i want to get that in here too right you help people grow their platforms i do actually yeah if you'd like to grow and you need someone to help you out with that I can do that. I actually, believe it or not, I'm so bad at charging people. I really am because I get a lot of requests and I just, 
And I just like give away so much free game. I'm just like, here, take this, take this, take this. This is my guide on this. This is my guide on this. This is my guide on this. And I'm terrible at actually charging people. But I've noticed though, that even like not charging the vast majority or not charging a good amount of people, I, a lot of people really still do kickbacks and like really give back okay. to me. So that is that is phenomenal. I, I know that our community is not one that is uh, selfish and that is that is great. And don't get me wrong, I am a lot better at charging people now than I was before. Good. So <laughs> you know, we have to we have to realize our value as well. Exactly. I, I get like that too, but we have to realize our value. I mean, yes. people respect respect. You know. Yes, my um, grandmother is the one that actually got me to, to, to actually do that. So good. Yeah. Good for grandma. Okay, so this, this show is about changing the narrative in this country. What do you propose needs to happen to move forward with changing the narrative? Oh, that's a tough one, man. Oh, I know. I thought we'd finish on that and give you the final word. Ooh, I think to change the narrative, we need to. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> I would love us to come back together like how we did during the, you know, Malcolm X, Martin, Black Panther times. I think that during that specific time, Black unity was unrivaled throughout the rest of time in the United States, as far as power attainment goes. Because I think we had attained a ton of power there during that, those times. The issue is, you know, the FBI and the U.S. government kind of killed off all the Black leaders from that time. That's exactly what happened. But I think that coming back together, like how we were during that time and standing up for ourselves, like how we were during that time and supporting ourselves, like how we were at that time, I think would be uh, integral to our success. There's a saying, I can't remember who said it, but there's a saying that when we desegregated the buses, all the black bus companies went out of business because no one wanted to ride anymore. Mm. Which is not me saying that we need to segregate again. It's me saying that if we had stayed unified, if we continue to be unified, we won't have that issue. It's your final word. I appreciate you, brother. This was so much fun. You're like I said, you're a delight. You're such a compassionate person. It's really been just such a special conversation. I really appreciate. I really do hope you do come back and I wish you nothing but the best. Well, I know when my comic eventually gets done, I have to promo it somewhere. Let's do it. Let's do it. Count (laughs) on me. (laughs) Count on me. All right, Tony, take care. You too. All right, brother. See you. Bye-bye. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and follow wherever you get your podcasts. And also, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Thank you for listening to Change the Narrative with J.D. Fuller.